the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion forever and ever. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. First Timothy chapter 6. Thank you, worship team, uh, for all of your blessings. As a volunteer enterprise, we are dependent on volunteers. Yeah, it's okay to clap. Thank them for their, their efforts. Uh, and, um, and, and today, as we just honor volunteers, uh, people that you never see, and that's the, that's the way we like it, is our security team who does a lot of medical training and other stuff. Put your hands together. Thank our, our security team. Thank you uh, for all of your efforts behind the scene. Uh, you're turning uh, in your Bibles to the book of Colossians, uh, chapter 1. Uh, we are in a series called Firm in Faith. Uh, as we uh, take a, our journey through this, this is only our second week, and uh, we want to uh, welcome those who are joining us live uh, who uh, could not make it here physically for some reason. We greet you. We also greet our campus in Bel Air, Michigan, uh, and a very warm greeting uh, to our campus who's streaming live today uh, from Petoskey. We greet you. Put your hands together and welcome Petoskey, Michigan as well. Uh, we thank you for joining us uh, up there. Uh, and also uh, today we celebrate uh, the uh, new grand opening of our uh, New Hope Community Church, Kent County Campus, uh, which is uh, on the East Beltline between Grand Rapids and Rockford with our founding pastor, Dave Stanfest. Uh, they are not joining us live because if you know Pastor Dave, he likes to preach. So uh, he is there. Uh, if you know people in Grand Rapids, send them to New Hope Community Church, Kent County, in their brand new facility uh, as uh, they start that journey today. Uh, it is a joy uh, to have have his partnership uh, in the ministry. Uh, so Colossians uh, chapter 1, uh, it uh, says this in verse 9. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power, According to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And all God's people said, Amen. Uh, before we journey into this passage, uh, just a few recaps from last week. Uh, uh, here's a picture of the Ignite group uh, on Wednesday night. Uh, Wednesday night, a lot of ministries around, uh, but the Ignite group is our 5th and 6th grade students. And our 5th and 6th grade students, uh, which a picture should be up there anytime, like right now. Uh, there you go. Uh, just 5th and 6th grade students, Wednesday night, they went to the beach and they took the guitar and they worshipped on the beach. And several kids told Pastor Christian, this was like the best Wednesday night ever, okay? So uh, this is uh, our Ignite group, 5th uh, and 6th grade. We also have Wildfire, 7th, 8th, and 9th, and also our high school ministry, 10th, 11th, and 12th. Get your kids uh, plugged in. Uh, here's another picture, friends of mine, uh, since last Sunday, uh, because of the sermon uh, on the Miracle Blend. Friends from Bel Air purchased me some more Miracle Blend. Uh, I am very thankful. that, And it's a reminder that as a church of messes to miracles, we are a miracle blend of messes, aren't we? We are a miracle blend. 
Also, in regards to last Sunday's uh, service, there was a man who made a shirt, EGR. And uh, when I saw that, I'm like, dude, can you make me one? And so he did. Uh, so if you can uh, see the video camera uh, right up here, uh, there it is, uh, EGR, Extra Grace Required. And, and as uh, we are reminded as a church uh, in, uh, of Colossians chapter 1 that we are to have a love for all the saints, and, and we recognize that there's some dysfunctional pastors, right, on staff, right? Amen? And there's dysfunctional people, and it's hard to love, but we extend grace and forgiveness, extra grace required. And finally, uh, Mission India, I told you about uh, uh, Raju Joseph. Uh, I want to show you the picture of his church. I, I, I forgot to show you this last week. That is a picture of the church in his home. Uh, when, when Paul writes to the nation or to, uh, to the region, the city of Colossae, their church probably looked closer to Raju's church in India than it does to New Hope, okay? Uh, this, is a, this is probably a, a picture more so of what Colossae-type stuff would look like. But I told you about Raju, and I told you about Mission India, and uh, in, in the maps up here on the screen show the red dots of unreached people groups, and on the left is 2,000 uh, uh, 2010. On the right uh, is 2016, and you can see in six years the impact of the gospel as the red dots are being eliminated, each red dot representing an unreached people group, and it's people being trained like Raju Joseph who are planting churches that look a lot like a tent, and it is powerful what God is doing. So if you are still contemplating partnering with this district strategy to eliminate red dots, $1,200 per church plant, uh, we encourage you to do so. What a joy to partner uh, with the gospel around the world. Colossae. Let's go to Colossians chapter 1. Colossae looks probably a lot like Raju's church. It is a small city, a village. It is seemingly insignificant. They meet in a home, they are young in faith, and they are in great need of prayer. And the first point today is this is that prayer is priority. Amen? Yeah, you're almost convinced. Prayer is priority. This whole passage today is a prayer. I don't know if you saw that. It's very simple. Just back up 30,000 feet, and this is Paul praying for a church that he's never been to. He didn't found it. Their pastor is called Epaphras. He's got word from Epaphras on the growth of the church, and so Paul is writing a letter, and he wants to pray for them. Prayer is priority. Look at verse 9. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. We have not stopped to pray. <laughs> uh, the American church has stopped to pray. The American church has, by and large, stopped praying. The average church today in America is fueled by the fumes of human ingenuity, not the flame of the Holy Spirit. New hope without prayer is like Pastor Rick's car without gas. Pastor Rick, I told him I was going to share this, and thank you, Pastor Rick, and not to make fun of him, right? We've all been there. He ran out of gas on the freeway this week. And so he sat there for an hour, and, and, and he recognized it too late. All of a sudden, it's, you, you know what life is like. You just get busy, you get tied up, and you're running to and fro, and then all of a sudden, Rick looks at his gas thing, and it's on fumes, and then he runs out. That is the American church. And without prayer, new hope is running on fumes. 
One of our values is that we are prayer-driven. But just because we say it as a value doesn't mean it's true. It doesn't make it true, okay? We can say it till we're blue in the face that we are prayer-driven, but until we actually stop and pray and depend upon the Holy Spirit, it's just words. But as a church, we set it as our goal. One of our primary values is that we're Bible-directed and prayer-driven. And that means that everything in our ministry, we, we seek to set a goal that is, is driven by prayer. That is, every Saturday we pray. First Tuesdays we pray. Our staff prays Monday to Friday at 11 a.m. Sunday morning there's a prayer team. There's prayer happening in and throughout our small group ministries. Prayer everywhere. Facebook Live prayer this week at 7 a.m. There was 11,000 people reached through our Facebook Live prayers just this week. It is prayer that drives the ministry, not human ingenuity, but the flame of the Holy Spirit. And this is why we have a 24-hour prayer room. Our 24-hour prayer room, which is always open, never empty, okay? That first one is true. The second one is still not true yet. Always open, Net what? Never empty. That's our goal. It's 24 hours a day. And, and so uh, we have, an, uh, for the last several months, we've had an answered prayer board. And here's a picture on the screen uh, of our answered prayer board. And you can see that it's empty now. And I'll tell you why it's empty. It's available, by the way, for you today after service to write an answered prayer. But this past Tuesday, we gathered together with about 45 people for our first Tuesday prayer. And, and uh, we, we took these answered prayers and we began uh, to read these out loud at the end of our prayer service. And I, I want I want to read just some for you as we celebrated the God's answers to prayer that people from New Hope have put on the board. Now, here's the first one. You're going to see just a few on the screen. Hallelujah, my sister-in-law, 50 years old, accepted Christ this week. She finally has peace. Isn't that awesome? Thank you for answering my prayers. For 49 years, I prayed for my son before I knew him and then learned you have been watching over and comforting him. Another one, the Lord rescued my niece from a bad relationship. She is free. Another one, here it is. I prayed that my gym teacher would become a Christian. You gave me courage to tell him your story. He listened to me, and now he's a Christian. Thank you, God. Amen? Another one, we praise the Lord that he saw fit to heal our son. Another one, thank you, Lord, for saving my mother from bleeding ulcers. Thank you for bringing my father closer to you. Another one, look at this one. For three months, my sister was angry and wanted nothing to do with me. Six days after going to the altar and repenting of my sins and asking God for forgiveness and reconciliation, my sister called me, and what a joyful reunion we've had ever since. Another one, I prayed that my friend would finally say yes to go to church. It took a lot of time in prayer, but now he has been coming. Another one, thank you, Lord, for more than finishing the kids' zone. Amen? Another one, thank you, Lord, for saving my mother from carbon monoxide poisoning. Another one, look at this one. Thank you, Lord, that my nephew said the prayer of salvation, and he is free. Another one, I had colon cancer. 2012, my recent screening, August 9th, revealed no cancer. Praise the Lord. Another, praise God for the continued healing of my husband's leukemia. Another one, look at this. God, thank you for everything. Thank you for family and friends. Thank you for Elk Rapids. If we did not have Elk Rapids, I would not be little Miss Elk Rapids. Thank you for especially a caring family that loves me. Amen. That's a good one. 
Another one. one. Listen, God answers prayer, okay? Another one. One morning, I asked for reconciliation with my neighbors. Forty minutes later, arrived at work, and who was there but my neighbor? She gave me a big hug and talked to me. Another one. Our family prayed 15 months ago for a property to sell so we could give to the kids' own. God answered our prayer just in time, like God always does. And finally, I'll just read this one. This answered prayer board is an answer to my prayers. I've been praying and asking for this for several years. Thank you, Jesus. So Tuesday night, we gathered around. We read more than these. I just read 17 of them. We gathered around. We read, and then we all gathered around a fire, and we placed all of these answers to prayer in a fire as a thank offering to the Lord. It was such a special time. I didn't want the church to miss out on it. Here's 40 seconds from Tuesday night. Sing together. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him all creatures here below. Praise Him above the heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. awesome time. God is awesome, okay? And prayer is priority. I love this quote from E.M. Bounds up on the screen right here. It says this, to give prayer the secondary place is to make God secondary in life. It's affairs. Nothing is well done without prayer for the simple reason that it leaves God out of the account. Satan has effectively disarmed us when he can keep us too busy doing things to stop and pray. Everybody read this last line. Prayer must come first. And this is why we have now prayer180.com. As a church, to do a 180 on prayer. To do a 180, to have unceasing prayer. Verse 9 says, so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray. This is our goal as a church, that we would have unceasing prayer. And we've created a space for that to happen with a 24-hour prayer room and the ability uh, to not only impromptu stop by, but also to have scheduled seasons of prayer where we as a church individually sign up and we show up and we pray. Ever had a bad day at work? Stop by the church and pray. Ever had an argument with your spouse? Stop by the church and pray. Have you ever made bad choices and you have nowhere to turn? Stop by and pray. You're dealing with infertility. Stop by and pray. You get a bad medical diagnosis. Stop by and pray. Church, we must pray first. We must pray last. We must pray all the way through. We must have unceasing prayer. Prayer is priority. Verse 8 says this, or verse 9 rather. So from the day that we heard, we have not ceased to pray, asking, asking. Uh, that word means to beg, uh, to crave, to desire. And that is, that is prayer. That is the invitation that God gives us. He invites us to come and pray and ask boldly, surrender completely. Let me say it again. Ask boldly, surrender completely. And here's the confidence that we have before God. Uh, Tim Keller in his book of prayer writes this. The confidence that we have before God is, uh, is this. Either God will give us what we ask for 
or he will give us what we should have asked for if we knew everything he knew. That's the confidence, isn't it? So we ask boldly, we, we surrender completely, and then we trust God's sovereignty. What does Paul beg? What is he begging for the church? Well, he begs three things. Look at verse 9. Begging, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. That's wisdom. That you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. That's holiness. And that you may bear fruit in every good work and increase in the knowledge of God. That's fruit. Look at wisdom. That you may be filled, filled. Everybody say filled. Filled, literally the word means crammed full, like my son's dirty hamper, okay? Crammed, stuffed, but here it's not dirty clothes. It is crammed with what? Filled with, he says, with the knowledge Uh, Knowledge here is discernment. It's like a divine GPS, uh, a divine God-positioning service. I mean, it is, he, he is praying for discernment for the church, that you may be filled with knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. I, I love the word understanding here because uh, it's more than just an intellectual knowledge. It actually is a discernment that puts things together. Literally, understanding means to Put things together. He's praying that the church would, would put the things together between God's will and their circumstances, and they would match it up. I thought, how do I illustrate that? And so I grabbed a bag uh, from our laundry area, and here it is, about 30 mismatched socks. 30. It used to be 70, not joking. And now we have 30 that are not put together. Does it make sense? Paul is praying that the church would have discernment and be full of God's knowledge so that they actually can match together their circumstances with God's will. How do we discern? Uh, how we discern God's will is this, is that if the Bible says it, we do it. And if the Bible is silent on it, we seek counsel for it discernment. He also prays this for holiness, that you may walk uh, worthy. Uh, To walk means to be occupied with. Imagine a a father and a daughter walking hand in hand down down a dusty road because of their love for one another. And Paul is praying for the church that you would walk together, occupied yourself with the Lord, walking hand in hand with him. And he says that you would walk worthy, which means that you would walk appropriately with the Lord, fully pleasing to him. But he says this in that verse. Look at verse 9, or verse 10. That you would walk worthy of the Lord. Lord here means master. Master. Uh, There's an Indian pastor who we have met. I met him in India. I've also met him in the United States when he visited. He's a church planter and also oversees uh, part of Mission India. His name is Prabhadas, Prabhudas. Uh, Prabhadas, every time Prabhadas uh, from India prays, every single time he bows his head and he addresses God as master. Master this, master that. Master, we praise you today. Master, we glorify you. 
he addresses him as master. This is what it means, that you would walk worthy in a way that honors God as master. Everybody say master. In America, we have a perspective of God that is very, very biblical, of course, and it's a father-child relationship. And so often, and appropriately so, we come to God as father. And this is how Jesus taught us to pray, our what? Father. But there is something beautiful and also biblical about approaching God as master. Because there's a biblical picture that pictures it as a master-servant relationship. And that's a compelling thing to pray at times, that we would approach God's throne as You are master, and I am your servant. I would encourage you this week, just one week, a trial in your prayer life, approach God verbally as master and see what it does for your disposition before the Lord to recognize that he is holy and he is awesome and that we are to occupy ourselves in a way that is hand-in-hand with this God who is master and father And he also prays uh, here in verse 10 and 11, uh, verse 10, that they would bear fruit, bear fruit and increase. That is, that they would be fertile, that they would grow. Uh, In this region, this mountainous, hilly region of Colossae, which is modern-day Turkey, which we talked about last week, uh, it was a region that certainly would have been lush and beautiful and fertile and growing. And so he borrows on that imagery of bearing fruit and, and fertility, and he's praying that for the church, that you would grow Side note, side note, Colossae is ruins today. It doesn't exist uh, as a city or as a village. But the closest city, modern-day city, to Colossae has one main fruit export. And guess what it is? Cherries. 80% of Turkey's exporting of cherries comes from the region that we know of as Colossae. And so Paul is praying for this region, which is nowadays known for its cherry crop, that they would bear fruit, that they would increase in nature. We are very familiar, aren't we, with birth control. Birth control is a pill that you would take every day, ladies, to maybe prevent pregnancy or to stop fertility. But Paul's prayer here is that they would indeed increase and that they would grow and that they would be fertile and that spiritually speaking that they would bear children and that they would pass the baton of faith. This is Paul's prayer for the church. Wisdom, holiness, fruit. Everybody say it. Wisdom, holiness, fruit. Say it again. Wisdom, holiness, fruit. Here's my encouragement, action, that you would integrate those three prayer priorities into your prayers for your family, into your prayers for your church, And get this, how about in our prayers for the churches of Las Vegas? That we would pray for the churches of Las Vegas. That they would indeed bear fruit. That they would walk in holiness with their God. And also that they would have wisdom and discernment of how to meet the needs of their community. How about writing notes this week to five people? Handwritten. That's so archaic, right? How about writing five notes this week with these three prayer priorities of things you are praying for somebody in the church? That's, that's beautiful. What a beautiful way to put into action God's word. Prayer is priority. Everybody say amen. And thanksgiving is essential. Point two, and thanksgiving is essential. Look at verse 11. Another prayer. Uh, may you be strengthened. 
May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and, read these three words, patience with joy. (laughs) Get a life. He's praying that the church would be strengthened so that when they face trials and hardship, that they would not rely on their own strength, but that they would have the strength of the Lord to have patience with joy. Literally, it just means that. It means joyful patience, delightful endurance. Think about joyful patience. That is an oxymoron, isn't it? Joyful patience? Really? It's an oxymoron because it doesn't seem like they go together. By the way, here's oxymorons. Uh, in case you don't know, jumbo shrimp, pretty ugly, awfully good, icy hot, plastic silver, or seriously funny, working vacation, lion, Super Bowl. Those are... <laughs> Those are oxymorons. <laughs> I thought that was funny too. But Paul here is <laughs> sorry. Paul here is saying that the Christian life should be a living oxymoron. Now, many of us are pretty good at being morons, aren't we? But he's calling us to living oxymoron, that we have patient joy, joyful patience in the midst of trials and adversity. What a prayer that you'd have joy, joy joy-filled patience. We read a book as a staff called uh, The Praying Life by Paul Miller. He he tells a very compelling story. It just was one of those stories that stood out. Paul Miller was a tax accountant and, uh, and so he had a, he had a, a, a day that he, had, he was doing taxes for people, and a lady showed up for her appointment, and her appointment was at 1130. Unbeknownst to her, this lady, he was having a serious computer meltdown, like their whole database was gone, so he couldn't help this lady. So she shows up at 1130, and he tells the secretary, hey, tell this lady it should be any minute now. But as he realized he couldn't fix the problem, he had to leave the office and he had to go home. And he says that he passes the lady. He tries to slink by her. And there she is, he says, sitting quietly without a hint of impatience. He comes back sometime later trying to slink by her again. And he writes this, that she was sitting there serenely, her calm demeanor unchanged. Hour after hour went by, Paul writes, It was three and a half hours later that the system was finally up and running and they invited this woman in to do her taxes. Her appointment was at 11.30. It was three o'clock in the afternoon. Question, how do you feel right now? How do you feel at the Secretary of State office? How do you feel when things block your path? Paul Miller writes this. Three and a half hours later, this woman, without a single question or complaint, he finished her taxes. He didn't know this woman, but Paul was a believer in Jesus Christ. He finished the taxes, and he said to her, does Jesus make a difference in your life? And she said this, Jesus is everything to me. I talk to him all the time. Isn't that beautiful? Paul 
prayer for the church is joyful patience, calm delight. That we are so close to the Lord Jesus that no matter what blocks our way, no matter what gets in our path, that we are joyfully patient. How, how do we do that? How in the world do we do that? Well, here it is, verse 12, by adding one ingredient. By adding one ingredient. Verse 12. Giving, what? Thanks to the Father. By adding the ingredient of thankfulness. Imagine a six-year-old boy. Uh, it's his birthday. And the aunts and the uncles and the cousins and everybody has gathered to give gifts and presents to the six-year-old. And the six-year-old, he tears into a present and he sees it. He's not happy about it. And he goes in and he tears open a present. He's not happy with it. And he tears open another present. He's not happy. He's just disgruntled. What does that boy need? No, not a whooping. <laughs> no. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> He needs thankfulness. He needs gratitude. So I thought, well, how do I illustrate this? Well, so here it is. So here, here's our life. Cloudy, colored by impatience and ingratitude and just selfishness and pride and, uh, and, and, and the things that just color life and taints life. Can you get that uh, camera? Uh, things that, uh, that color our life. And, 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 and how do we have joyful patience? How do we come to that point like the woman at the tax office uh, or like the young boy at six years old should be? How do we get to that point where we are joyfully patient no matter the obstacles? Because that's Paul's prayer for Colossae that they have joyful patience. And I think his answer is that we add the ingredient, that we add the ingredient of thankfulness. And when we add the ingredient of thankfulness, it should work. Come on! <laughs> it's going to work. You just wait. You just watch that the whole time. When we add the ingredient of thankfulness, it brings clarity. It brings clarity. It brings clarity to the midst of our life. And in the midst of all of this, we recognize that a thankful spirit cannot coexist with an irritable spirit. Let me say that again. A thankful spirit cannot coexist with an irritable spirit. I was at a red light last night. Uh, if you know me, you know that I'm impatient. I, I don't like red lights. Some of you don't either. I don't like when things block my way. Some of you don't either. If I was that woman at 11.30, I would have been impatient by 11.45, right? I would have. And so this is, the, this is my key action step right here, was patience with joy by inserting thankfulness. And so we're coming home from Grandma's house last night, and, and uh, hey, it worked. Look at that. <laughs> and I inserted thankfulness. I'm at the red light with my family, my wife, my, three of my kids are in the backseat of the car, and so... There's the red light again. That's the story of my life, my life wasting away at red lights. And, 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 so, and so there I was on Garfield, Traverse City, and stopped at the red light, and I just started saying, God, thank you so much for this red light because it reminds me that I just need to slow down. And, and look at the tart trail. It crosses right there. How many times have I biked on that tart trail? And I have been thankful for this red light so I could cross the road. And one of my kids in the back seat says, what'd you do with my dad? <laughs> yeah? Th this is my action. My action step this week is 
when you face irritation and annoyances, insert thankfulness. Because a thankful spirit cannot coexist with an irritable spirit. It brings clarity. Let me tell you about Jamie. That's not a real name. Uh, my wife and I had dinner this week with a couple, uh, and uh, her, uh, her name we'll call Jamie. Uh, but uh, uh, Jamie has a lot to do. She's a mom, an educator. Uh, she, she's just got lots going on in life, and many of you moms totally understand what we're talking about. Just She has a lot of details, and, and so she gets really, really annoyed by things that block her path. And uh, based on her own admission, she doesn't have much patience, and based on her husband's testimony, her patience on a 1 to 10 scale is like a 1. She just is not real patient of a person. I got their permission to share the story. It's okay. Uh, so uh, Jamie's not real patient, and so little things just bother Jamie. Uh, and and it, it, here's one thing that really bothers her is slow cashiers. Just because when she goes to the store, she wants to get in, get her stuff, and get out. You know what I'm saying? So there's one store, uh, Save-A-Lot, not Traverse City. There's a Save-A-Lot store, uh, and, uh, and, and Save-A-Lot uh, for Jamie became Swear-A-Lot. Uh, not because of the store, mind you, just a cashier. And, and so weeks would go by uh, that, that she, uh, this one cashier, just one, just this one lady cashier was so irritating to her because she's so slow. Oh, she drives her crazy. In fact, she would get so irritated by this that Jamie said, literally, she didn't want to go there, but she loves the store. So she had to go there to get the sales. But all the way to the store, save a lot. She would just be irritated. I hope that lady's not there. I hope that lady's not there. First thing that she did, she walks through the door. She looks over. She's the only one there. And she's just so irritated. It ruins her whole shopping trip, and she checks out. And she, the whole time, she's just like, shut up, shut up. She said, just hurry. Just irritated. Finally, her husband said, uh, honey, why don't you stop and pray before you go in? Okay. And so, Jamie did. Her husband said this, that in her perspective at the time, she was only seeing two options. She was seeing avoidance or irritation. That was the only two options for Jamie. Either avoid her, avoid the store, or if you had to go, you're just irritated. And her husband said, but there's a third option, and that's God's option of joyful patience. So Jamie did that. She would get to save a lot, and she would pray. And here's her testimony uh, on the screen. By being kind with a lady, we move from a customer-cashier relationship to now I look forward to seeing her and catching up on how she is doing. I continue to pray for her and that God would help me to be a positive example. Her relationship in a very irritating situation went from irritability to joyful patience, and it was because she stopped long enough to recognize that the problem was not with the lady. The problem was what? With her own heart. And how did she do it? by inserting prayer with thanksgiving. And so save a lot, which became swear a lot, has now become joy a lot. <laughs> Action step. In irritation and annoyances, insert the ingredient of thanksgiving. What is there to be thankful for anyway? I mean, life is just terrible. Life is awful. Let's say life has fallen apart. What's there to be thankful for? Well, how about verse 12? Giving thanks. Look at verse 12. This is great. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints of light. <laughs> qualified us means 
He has made us meet the qualifications. I couldn't do that, could you? God has qualifications for acceptance with him. I couldn't do it. He did it for me through the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ and proving it by the resurrection from the dead. He has made us meet the qualifications. That is such good news, and that is something to give thanks for. Not only does he have qualifications, but he made us meet them in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. I love what Richard Sibb says. It's an old book from the 1600s, I believe. Look at this quote. In the covenant of grace, God requires no more than he gives. He gives what he requires, and he accepts what he gives. Let me read that again. It's so beautiful. In the covenant of grace, God requires no more than he gives, but gives what he requires, and he accepts what he gives. Guess why? So that none of us should boast and all the praise goes to God. Prayer is priority. And thanksgiving is essential, number two. Number three, it's all made possible by Jesus. Verse 13, he has delivered us, literally rescued and pulled us out of the current. What did he rescue us from? What current were we in? Well, here it is. He delivered us from the domain of darkness, literally the authority and the jurisdiction of the world that is dark and full of bloodshed. He reached into a world of Las Vegas's where shooters from a 32nd store, uh, floor gun people down. He has reached into a dark domain and he has pulled us out of the dark current of the jurisdiction and the authority of this dark world. What did he do with us then? He delivered us by pulling us out of the current. And look what it says next. And he transferred us. He put us in a new stream. He transferred us uh, to the kingdom of his beloved son. To transfer means to be removed or carried away. I love the picture. Isn't it beautiful? So he pulls us out of the current of the dark domain he transfers us or carries us to a new stream. This is what our God does. And it is a kingdom of his beloved son. Tom Petty died this week. Tom Petty, known probably most iconically for the song, Free Fallen, Free Fallen. And so, listen, the gospel, just when we were free fallen, free fallen into a dark domain. Jesus Christ reaches in. He delivers us, pulls us out. He transfers us into the kingdom of his beloved son, and it's all by grace through faith. Transfers us into the kingdom of his beloved son, verse 14, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. Redemption here means ransom. It means paid in full at the cross with the hope of the resurrection. Uh, get this, in 2009, Hugh Hefner had a, a conversation uh, with, uh, with the media, and he said that he had no greater desire than to be buried next to Marilyn Monroe. And look what he says. Here, here's a quote from 2009. Spending eternity next to Marilyn is an opportunity too sweet to pass up. And he died two weeks ago, and he got his wish. He is buried, cremated, next to Marilyn Monroe. Well, Hugh and New Hope... Here's even better news. How about this? How about the opportunity to spend eternity next to Jesus Christ? How about that? How about that, Hugh? How about that? How about being delivered from the domain of darkness and spending eternity in the mansions of glory? How about that? That is the gospel alternative. And this is the good news, that prayer is priority. Thanksgiving is essential. 
and it's all because of Jesus. So here's some action steps. Number one, uh, how about this? Uh, how about prioritizing prayer? Scheduled prayer and impromptu prayer. I got a text late last night uh, from a guy named Phil. Uh, Phil uh, was traveling back from a dinner engagement from Traverse City to Elk Rapids, and he says, I just felt pulled to come and stop by the church and, and go to the prayer room, and Phil writes this. He says, I prayed for our families, our church, our service tomorrow. I left some burdens there, and I am compelled to return here often. Thank you for this wonderful chapel. How about scheduling time of prayer, and how about impromptu prayer? We pray first, we pray last, we pray all the way through, because prayer is priority. How about this, number two? How about the three prayer priorities, targets of prayer, wisdom, holiness, and fruit? Uh, how about writing notes this week? Just five. I find five note cards. I'm going to do that tomorrow. I do it every Monday. I find about five to seven people that I want to write notes to to thank them for who they are. I'm going to do this tomorrow. How about you? Take five note cards and write prayer priorities of what you're praying for that person and how you're thankful for them. Number three, call Jesus and the Lord Master. Try it this week in prayer. Of course, Father, yes, Father, great news that he's Father and you're his child, but approach him as Master and Lord, who is worthy of our affections. Joyful patience, another action step. How about pursuing a life of a living oxymoron, not just impatient morons? How about inserting thanksgiving into places that are irritating, into people that are annoying? How about inserting thankfulness for God's graciousness to them and for you. And how about this action step? Look to Jesus, who qualifies us, delivers us, transfers us, and redeems us from this dark domain. As the old hymn says, up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph o'er his foes. He rose victorious over the dark domain, and he lives forever with his saints to reign. He arose, he arose, hallelujah, Christ arose. Would you bow your heads as uh, uh, Chris Fields come on up? Why don't you commit your heart to him today? Master, we honor you. Master, we praise you today for your grace and your forgiveness at the cross. Master, we pray today that you would give us hearts of gratitude and thankfulness for all that you have done to qualify us, to rescue us, redeem us, deliver us, transfer us, and to pay the pardon. And Master, we now give you our hearts. We call you Lord and Master. And we pray that we would walk hand in hand like a, a father and a daughter walking down that dusty road, that we would walk worthy pick us up when we fall, Master, and bring glory to your name because we lift your name on high.